This is a personal and private recording by a member of the U.S. Air Force. Codename, Project Blue Book. Case file, 11004, designated Stonefall. January 8th. I have never been more thankful to be wrong. Over the roar of the fire, it was hard to hear the sounds. The man from Massachusetts was a little away from the shack, lying on the ground, wheezing, gathering breath to cough. I saw him first, a shape moving on the ground in the darkness. The sheriff and I rushed over. I asked if he was okay and if we could move him. He'd inhaled a great deal of smoke, and one of his hands was bloodied and burnt, but he seemed largely and thankfully unharmed. I wanted to go with him to the hospital in New Haven, but knew I'd be of more use in the woods. I helped the sheriff douse the fire, along with another of his officers and a handful of volunteers from the town. There was nothing salvageable from the wreckage, but I was pleased to see that people had come to help. It made me sad that the whole man's life had been destroyed in one cruel act, and in less than five minutes. It was a miracle the fire hadn't spread, but Peter and his friends had put the whole town in danger. The sheriff went to settle his kids into bed, and I headed over to New Haven Hospital. The man had been signed to the hospital as John Doe. Even the officers that had taken him hadn't known his name. He was unconscious when I arrived, and I sat beside his bed, waiting for him to wake. The wait took me into the small hours of this morning. It had been a week since my arrival, and I felt an overwhelming sense of guilt. I hadn't progressed very far or learnt very much, and though I was relying almost entirely on my instincts, I hadn't been paying enough attention to them. I should have spoken to Peter again, got a clearer idea of him and what he was capable of. If it had been him that I'd heard crying on my first night in Stonefall, clearly he had a lot of repressed feelings. I should have known that they might manifest themselves so violently. And maybe if I'd have found his kids or at least found some kind of answers, I might have been able to hold off the attack. There's something that's worrying me more than anything, though. As I replay the events of last night, the dinner, and then the fire, I think about the sheriff. His actions were unusual. He went back to the station when he should have followed Peter and his friends. If he had, we may have been able to stop the blaze. There seemed no logical reason to go to the station, and he could have called his other officers or collected flashlights from home. When I asked the sheriff to pursue Peter, he said it was useless. He made no attempt to look from the man of Massachusetts among the flames and had previously expressed his dislike for him. Did he know this was going to happen? And if he didn't, had he, either deliberately or inadvertently, allowed it? The man woke up at 5.34 this morning. He seemed grateful I was there and asked what had happened. He had only vague memories, but as far as he knew, he hadn't seen the people who set fire to the shack. I wasn't sure whether or not to tell him who was responsible, but decided it was best to wait until they'd been caught. I asked him his name, and he told me only one other person in Stonefall had ever asked him. The sheriff. 
I explained that the sheriff hadn't told me what it was. The man said his name was Elias Brazel. I knew it immediately. An old Blue Book report had included it. I asked Elias if he'd seen unidentified flying objects before he came to Stonefall, and he said yes. He'd been disappointed by the Air Force's reports and the reaction of the people that he knew. As Elias became more determined to prove what he had seen was genuine, so did the distance between him and those he was closest to. There were a number of other contributing factors, but he ended up homeless. Stonefall has a long and troubled history, he said. There have been sightings long before they were widely reported or investigated by your predecessors. I asked him if that's what brought him there, and he said yes. I left Elias to rest, but before making my way back, I was keen to learn more about Stonefall. I was never going to learn inside the town, and I thought maybe they'd have some information here. I went to the library and asked the librarian if she had any books on the town. Her name was Jeanette, and she told me that I wouldn't be finding any books on that here. She wasn't even sure if any had been written. So I asked her why everyone was so reluctant to talk about the town and its history. She hesitated, and then told me that people were still bitter. The original settlers in Stonefall had decided, for some reason, a reason that had been lost throughout the ages, New Haven wasn't good enough for them. New Haven didn't enjoy that assertion. Although Jeanette had little reason to lie to me, I sensed there was something more to the story, maybe more than she knew. The hush surrounding the town's history within the town itself is one thing, but that hush seems to have permeated to all those nearby. What would cause people to keep such a secret? I had to browse through the books anyway, but as I had been told, found nothing. Before I left, I made a phone call to my boss and decided to update him. It was a strange phone call. He asked me where I was, and if there was anyone from Stonefall nearby. I explained, and he said that he'd been meaning to tell me something, but hadn't wanted to make me aware of it while he was in the town itself. He said that it wouldn't be information that was well-received by the residents, and that I should receive it away from them with a clear and independent mind. And then my boss said simply, there is no file on Stonefall before 1934. I asked him to elaborate. He said there was no reference of the name anywhere, on any official or non-official documents that he'd been able to get hold of. The earliest reference was a town hall meeting, most of which had been redacted, marked the 14th of February, 1934. The watermark on the paper said Stonefall, as if that had always been its name. I asked my boss whether that meant the town's history was forged, and whether they'd only established it in just over 30 years, or whether they'd changed their name. He hesitated for a long time, before, finally, asking if I'd ever heard of Fallbrook before. I said I hadn't, and asked him what it was. He told me that from the moment the town had been established, until the 14th of February, 1934, this had been its name. There were many unconfirmed sightings of unidentified flying objects over the town from the years, and a scattering of reports detailing the appearance of what could have been extraterrestrials within the town. He said he'd send them over to me, 
but I was to keep them to myself. I asked why the town had changed its name, and he said that there were fragments of news from New Haven and Connecticut, but no one had ever explained what really happened. There had been some kind of tragedy described by these fragments as devastating and disastrous. One of them even claimed the news would send shockwaves through the nation. But it never did. Something terrible had happened, and the people of Stonefall had covered it up. They changed their name and then carried on as if nothing was wrong. And I'm determined to find out what it was. Stonefall was created and written by James Mortimer, read by Rebecca Malewish. Music by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons.